Right, am I on? I'm going to start by just inviting James up to join me. Where are you, James? Come and join me. Is there a mic here that James could use? This one, is that all right? They are. Um, I've invited James up because recently James has made a decision to follow Jesus and I just thought it would be fun to hear his story. So, James, just tell us your story, really. Hi, everyone. Um, Yes, I'm not really a public speaker, um, so apologies if this is a bit haphazard. Um, I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to waste all your time, really. But, um, yeah, just... (laughs) This will be the best bit of the morning, all right, James? So, Melanie asked me to say a few words um, last week. Well, they asked me to come up last week, which was um, expected, but then um, this week they asked me to say a few words about um, my sort of walk with, with God, and, well, it's been quite short, I guess, um, so far, but I, I took the decision um, about a month ago to, um, to give my life to God, so I'm quite a new Christian in that sense, probably compared to most of you. Um, I didn't really know God up till sort of six months ago, I just never... Um, really done um, anything. Never, I've been to church a few times, but I'd never really thought about what I was doing, if that made sense. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to sort of sort of take a couple of minutes to just explain to people what um, brought me to God and um, sort of where I'm at the moment. So effectively what happened is I, um, a few things happened in my life last year um, that I just believe now are down to God and God's work. Um, I mean, I met Sarah um, at work about sort of five, six months ago, and I'd had a really difficult time um, at work before that um, with stress and stuff like that, and I was just not in a good place particularly. Um, I feel that sort of since then, a lot of things have come together for me. Um, I've had some sort of problems with my heart, which have improved a lot. Um, I think they were linked to stress potentially, but um, those have sort of gone away. Um, I've... I think I'm better placed in my job at the moment. Um, I've got a wonderful new girlfriend in Sarah. Um, I just feel like I'm in a really good place at the moment. I found this church. Um, it was a bit strange to me when I first turned up because I just wasn't used to the environment. Um, and I'd been in a the church I'd been to before was a little bit more structured. Um, no offence, but it was just a bit more um, sort of yeah regimented, I guess. I don't know what the technical word for that is, but. Um, I just found that everyone here was really friendly and stuff and really encouraging. Um, so, I guess in the last few months, it's just um, a lot of things have come together um, and I've just um, started to understand what impact God can have on other people's lives as well as my own. So Sarah, but a lot of other people that have been telling me their testimonies. Um, and it's really sort of made sense to me and struck a bit of a chord with me. Um, and I've also been sort of reading a lot of scripture and... Um, I'm a bit of a technical person, so I like to sort of research and actually understand what Christians believe in, what they, um, what it means to be a Christian. So I thought that was important to me. Um, so I've done quite a lot of um, research, um, and I just wanted to understand really what is it, you know, what is God all about, and what does He, what does He mean, and what does He, how does He sort of come into people's lives, and what what does that mean to them, and how does He change people? So I felt that I'm at the point now where I was a month ago. Um, and I still am now, that I just believe um, I'm sort of looking at life in a completely different way. And, um, yeah, so I took a decision about a month ago to just completely devote my life to God. And I feel that that's sort of the decision I've taken um, based on, like, 
all these people and you guys sort of um, encouraging me and just sort of explaining your walk with God to me um, and all the things that have happened in my life I just sort of now believe are not coincidence I don't really believe in the word coincidence anymore um, I think they're down to God and he's come into my life and, and changed me for the better so I just wanted to thank all you guys for um, sort of praying for me um, encouraging me and yeah so here I am today so I'm pleased to say I'm you know saved in real life church so fair to say James you did a good job there so you'll probably be asked to do things like that again (laughs) okay this is the second part of um, a two part series on life in the spirit Uh, two weeks ago I just shared um, a little bit of my journey in life in the spirit for me personally Um, and just shared some highlights really of stuff that God has done in my life and how he's taken me on a journey Um, That's available on the website if you haven't heard it. Um, This week I just want to get really practical, just want to start looking at what it means to live by the Spirit and what it means to actually live a life full of the Holy Spirit and what potential impact we can really have on our own lives but on the lives of the people who live around us and work with us and are in our home and all that kind of stuff. I have notes but I know already that I don't have enough but not everybody likes printed notes and not everybody takes them home so I would say share between two and if you are desperately wanting your own copy just email me this will be the same for the podcast so if you're listening to this online and you would like a copy of the notes go through our website on our website it's findreallife.co.uk on our website there's a button you can click to email us if you email us I will send you personally a copy of my notes which I know you will treasure and enjoy forever so um, one between two if you can and then um, if you you would really like the notes the notes will have all the scripture references on that I'm going to refer to throughout the talk and we'll have a bit more than I'm actually going to say so there's a section in here on gifts of the spirit I'm only going to touch on one of them but I've listed all the ones that the bible makes reference to so you might want to go away in your own time and look up things. The idea of this morning is that there will be some talking and there will be some experience of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't experienced the Holy Spirit before and the thought of this right now is making your palms sweat and you itch slightly, I will talk you through everything. So I have been, um, because I got saved in my early 20s, I've been in in the place that James described, having come into a local church, seeing all the things that were going on and finding some of it a touch odd um, and finding some of it a little bit scary and not understanding things. And so I've been in the place where I've had to ask a lot of questions and I've been in the place where I've been a little bit freaked out by things I've seen and I've been helped by other Christians who've just explained away quite naturally and quite easily what the Holy Spirit is up to. Um, If you want to open your Bibles, um, you can open it to Acts chapter 2. I'm just going to steal this one, sorry. Um, Mine's in my bag and I can't be bothered to rummage around. Thank you. And I just want to read just a little chunk. I'll just stand here. (laughs) 
Um, I'm going to read just the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is the start, really, of the local church. So it's Acts 2 at the beginning. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. These are all the disciples and the believers at the time. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then it goes on to explain that there were loads of different languages that they could all be understood. And then Peter gets up and preaches this amazing message and at the end of his message... There's just a sentence, really, that just says, um, uh, So those who received his word were baptised, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. What I want to say right from the outset is the Holy Spirit has the ability and power to transform lives. That when the Holy Spirit meets with a group of people in a room like this and does something in a group of people, that group of people then spill out and it has the potential to affect our world. So when I tell you this morning what I'm speaking to you about has the potential to change our world, I mean it. So on that day when the Holy Spirit was poured out, 3,000 people were added to the church. When the Bible says people, it's referring to men. So there would have also been women and children in that group. There, There would have been thousands of people who were added to the church on a single day because the Holy Spirit had so affected a bunch of people. The bunch of people were about 120, 150, that kind of size. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. It was the first time the Holy Spirit had been poured out like that. And it transformed them. And our nation has seen times where that kind of thing has happened. So if you read about the Welsh Revival, if you read about Whitfield and Wesley, if you read about Muller, if you read about these great spiritual giants, our nation has known times when the Holy Spirit has been so poured out that people have spilled out onto the streets and streets, towns, villages, workplaces, schools have been massively affected. So when I talk about the Holy Spirit, that... That's really what lives in me, is just wanting to see that kind of effect. So wanting to see us so full of the Holy Spirit that what God does in this room doesn't stay in this room. That what God does in this room affects everything we do outside of this room. It was said of the disciples that people commented on them and said it was like they were drunk. So these guys were full of the Holy Spirit and stumbling around and speaking in all kinds of languages. They literally took what God did with them in the room, out of the room. They didn't walk out of the room and think, right, we need to somehow make this appropriate to our culture. We need to somehow change ourselves and make sure that we're nice and user-friendly. They literally were full of the Spirit and they spilled out. So it would be for us today, it would be as if the roof got ripped off, the Holy Spirit fell, tongues of fire on our head, we all just spilled out into Sutton Park, which today will be packed full of people. It will be that kind of feel, and it will be the whole of Sutton Park going, who are these drunk people? It will be people calling the police and saying, there's a load of people here who are just legless, what's going on? And then someone gets up to preach, I like to think maybe that was me, you know, like just stands up to preach, uh, or maybe Stuart, probably Stuart actually, stands up to preach And on that day in Sutton Park, a load of people give their lives to Jesus because they're 
so impacted by the power of God that is within us. It's my firm belief that whenever we tone down the power of God that is within us, we lose out on the ability to have that kind of effect. So whenever we try and make it user-friendly, whenever we try and do services where we're just like, let's just dial it all down, we lose the greatest thing that we have, which is that we've got the power of God amongst us, that we truly know God, that he truly has the power to change our lives. And like James testified to, he's real. And we have that. And so my plea right at the beginning is that we take this seriously, but we also don't dilute what it is God has done in our lives. James was saying that your story's impacted him. That's the truth. So... The reason I'm saved is because the Holy Spirit broke into my life and saved me. The people who helped me were Christians. They told me that God was real. They caused me to start questioning. They caused me to start questioning my own belief systems, where I thought I was going when I was going to die. They stirred me to look further. They lived differently, spoke differently, behaved differently. They were prepared to be full of the Holy Spirit, speaking weird languages. They were different, therefore I was challenged to look at my own life and think, I want to be like that, I want something of what they've got, that peace, that assurance, that power. I want something of that. So I want us to be those who live by the Spirit. I'd love Real Life Church to be authentic in in the way we encounter the Holy Spirit, but the way we let that affect our lives. My personal belief is we shouldn't have to have a big programme of evangelistic events and um, guest services and all of that kind of stuff because we should be so full of the Holy Spirit that we cannot help ourselves, that we cannot help but spill out, that we cannot help when someone says, I'm sick, to say, do you know what, I should pray for you, that it comes so naturally because we flow and move in the Holy Spirit, not because we've set up an event calendar that says on this day we will do evangelism, on this day we will do a guest meeting. We will probably do those kind of things because we know that it's not always easy. So we will probably do some of those things, but I'd like us to do less than I've seen in previous churches because I'd like us to be so full of the Spirit that we literally flow that we literally have story after story, like James's, of people saying, I came into contact with Christians and my life was changed because of it. I started coming to church. I started asking questions. That we don't need to put on big courses or this, that and the other. Literally, people are drawn because the Holy Spirit is at work in a bunch of people. That would be my, my, my plea, really. Bill Johnson, if you've never heard or read anything by him, he's a very inspiring, Holy Spirit-filled speaker from Bethel Church. He says, we owe the world a supernatural encounter with God. And I, like, stuff like that lives with me. I think we owe the people around us a real encounter with a living God. That when we say we're Christians, actually, in our lives, people can see it. That people go, yes, I knew there was something different about you that they don't go, oh, really? That they go, yes, I knew it. I knew there was something different about you. I knew you lived differently. I knew that you spoke differently. I knew you acted differently. Smith Wigglesworth, so he's dead now, but um, a great revivalist. You should read some of his stories on healing. They will, like... Like I've got one of his books. Literally, I will read through it laughing at some of the things that God 
does through men and women who just offer themselves up. My favourite was a guy that he prayed for who coughed up a tumour. I just think, man, like, sometimes I have to muster up all my faith to pray for a headache. And, and this guy was seeing tumours just coughed up. And, and something in me just hungers for stuff like that. He said, a great revival will hit this nation when the word and the spirit come together. That's what we want as a local church. We want to be full of the words. We want to be truth-centred. We want to be clinging to the Bible and full of the Holy Spirit. And we want those two things to come together in such a way that we get to see revival. So whenever you read about revivals, they're always in slightly obscure towns and places. I'd never heard of Sutton Coalfield before we moved here. I like that. I think maybe we'll be one of those places. People will go, Sutton Coalfield, where's that? And it will be the place that God really touches down and impacts. That, to me, would be awesome. So I'm going to run through some real basics, and then I'm going to give you a few challenges, and then we're going to meet with the Holy Spirit. So the basics, really, I'm not going to read out all the scriptures. They're here on the notes if you want to go away and look them up. Um, I'm basing all of this in the Bible because it is the best place to find out about who God is and what he's like. So the Holy Spirit is God. Scripture's clear right from the beginning of time all the way through to the end of time that Jesus Christ is God, that God the Father is God, and God the Spirit is God. I know that one add one add one does not equal one, but there's one God and there's three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You just have to accept that. You just have to go, yeah, all right then. Okay, those two things come together. They don't, in my head, come together, but they do, because God says so. So there's a Father, Son and a Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He's God as part of the Trinity. He's, when he acts on his own, when he's acting, he's acting on behalf of the Trinity. And you'll see that throughout Scripture. The best places to see it is in creation, where you've got the Holy Spirit hovering over the water, you've got the Father speaking, and you've got someone walking around in the garden. I mean, me, I'd like to suggest that's Jesus. So you've got Jesus walking around the garden. I know that's going to mess with everyone's head, so just just come with me. Um, And then at the baptism of Jesus, you see a similar type of picture. You see Jesus in the water. You see the Holy Spirit descending on him. You hear the Father speaking from heaven. You've got the Trinity just functioning um, in this beautiful way, both times. But you can see the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. He's a person, he's always referred to as in he speaks, he listens, he can be grieved, he, he fights, he intercedes. There's, there's so many times where he's described like a person. So you'd never refer to the Holy Spirit as an it or like a ghost or a... He, he's the Holy Spirit. He, he can be grieved, he can be spoken to, you can be in relationship with him. He's a gift. The Bible always says he's a gift. I find it interesting the Bible never says he's a gentleman and he kind of, you know, panders around you and makes sure you're all okay and, you know, I won't do anything to offend you. He's a gift. So, therefore, what he gives to you is good. So, I love gifts. I love giving them. I love receiving them. Generally speaking, if I give someone a gift, it's well thought through and it's because I want to bless them. That's what our Father in Heaven is like. That's what the Holy Spirit is like. That's what Jesus is like. So if the Holy Spirit wants to give you something, it's for your good and for your blessing. And he has promised throughout Scripture that you feel in the Old Testament and the start of the New Testament, they're gearing up to Jesus dying on the cross, 
to Jesus being raised from the dead and to the Holy Spirit coming. And you can feel it all the way through the Bible. You're like, chuka, 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 chuka. as you go through it, you're like, it's coming closer, it's coming closer, it's coming closer. All the time, hints of the Holy Spirit's coming, the Holy Spirit's coming, the Holy Spirit's coming. And on that day when the Holy Spirit came, everyone knew about it. So they're just the basics. And I've whizzed through them. There's loads of scriptures. It's a great study to go and do, to just go and read up on what the Holy Spirit's like, what he does on the earth, where he's been promised. It it really stirs your faith. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you've been baptised in water, you will know that this is an event in your life where you get wet. So you know about it. Your clothes are wet, your hair are wet everything's wet. I went in the paddling pool yesterday with my son. I was fully dressed because he was insistent that I went in and I was just paddling with my feet, you know, and I said, mummy's just paddling. No, mummy, get in. I thought, I can't go indoors and get myself some clothes and it's not all going to work. So I just sat down in the paddling pool, fully clothed. And Levi said, mummy, you're so funny. And um, then I had to take off most of my clothes to go into the house. So apparently... When you get wet, you know about it. I got out of the pool, I was like, oh dear. Like, everything is wet, and you're kind of walking a bit like this around. Um, When you get baptised in water, you know about it. You're soaking wet. When you get baptised in the Holy Spirit, you know about it. And I'm sorry if this upsets people, because you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know that I've been baptised in the Holy Spirit. Chances are you haven't. Good news is, today, that's available to you. So you can be saved in this place, you can be healed in this place, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit in this place. You can receive gifts, you can receive anointing, you can go out from this place. So baptism in the Holy Spirit is a one-off event and then you continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible's clear about that. So a one-off event where you are totally soaked in it. It can be my experience. I've had several different experiences of the Holy Spirit. My baptism in the Holy Spirit was extremely peaceful. So some people think, oh my gosh, it's got to be very dramatic and got to be like lots of shaking and fireworks. And mine, I literally felt like someone took a big bucket of water and poured it on me. And I literally felt as if God just went... Now, I've had different experiences of the Holy Spirit. One of my favourite ones, um, I was hit with a fireball, which sounds ridiculous. I can remember watching people be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I thought to myself, quite honestly, they're just making this stuff up. Like, surely they're just putting it on. Surely the shaking and the falling over, it's all just a little bit dramatic, and also for quite dramatic people. And I would kind of put myself in that camp, but I like it on my terms, so not, you know, something doing something to me that makes me go a bit dramatic. I like to be dramatic. Um, And so I went to this meeting where the guy at the front was, it was hilarious, I'll I'll show you because it was hilarious. He like stood there and he was doing this and he was saying, rolling up a fireball. And I I was laughing because like stuff like that just makes me laugh. I think it all went really quiet in the room as well, I hate that. It kind of made me, I hate that bit at the cinema when it all hushes, goes quiet. I just, oh, I find it really awkward. Um, And he started rolling and he said, and I'm throwing it, this really gravelly, gritty voice, like, throwing it at you, and and he just, like, went like this, like, and threw it, I was just dying, I was thinking, (laughs) how ridiculous do people look, like, just falling, and and I was 
a person a few on from me had it hit her and she just like fell to the floor. I just thought, that is ridiculous. So I've been saved a few years by this point. He starts rolling up and he says, girl there. And I, as he said it, I thought, oh my gosh, he means me. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to stand here. I'll just start to roll. He's going, I'm rolling it. And he said, there'll be a fire in your belly that will never go out. Anyway, through this thing, and I am telling you, I don't even know what happened. I opened my eyes and all I could see was the ceiling. I was like, oh my gosh. And I literally was out. I, the meat, every, all the chairs had gone. I don't even know what happened. Like, it, like basically, there were people standing around waiting for me with my bags. All the chairs had gone. I was just like... Oh, that was the last time really I laughed and took the mickey out of people being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I was like, okay, God, like you got me. So I've had very quiet times and I've had very powerful times as well. Um, I would say that being filled with the Holy Spirit, you will notice a change in you. So things that I started to notice was that I had power to overcome things that I'd not been able to previously. And I was sure I was saved. There's something in the Holy Spirit that loves to just stamp you and go, yep, you're done. Like, and loves to just make you feel secure. And I love the Holy Spirit for that. It's got a kind of a, like a dad kind of sense to it where he's just like, you're loved, you're saved, you're done. And, and you get this assurance. And I've seen people who've become Christians who've gone, oh, I'm, I'm saved and I know it whereas last week I didn't. It it does something in your heart. Baptism in the Holy Spirit seals you. It says you're done. It says you belong to God. And whenever you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that should be the assurance that you're getting. As well as I've got power to overcome and do this, that and the other, I know that I belong to Jesus. I know that I'm God's. It's a a blessed assurance. Um, There are manifestations of being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, prophecy, bold witness, but these don't mean that you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. So I didn't speak in tongues for a good few months because I just thought it was weird. Quite a lot of the stuff to do with the Holy Spirit I just thought was weird. Tongues I thought was the weirdest thing ever. So I didn't speak in tongues for a long time. Not really until God got a hold of me. I was just like, this is a gift I want to give you. It's for your good. And I felt really humbled. You know, if you do not humble yourself before God, he has a strange habit of humbling you for you. Um, And so I've had many times where God has just humbled me. The fireball experience was humbling. Um, Being swept off my feet and bang on the floor when actually I don't enjoy stuff like that. I don't trampoline. Well, I do if Levi makes me. But a choice I would not trampoline, I do not ice skate. The thought of just like flipping over and being on the floor, well, don't like stuff like that. So the thought of the Holy Spirit doing that, to me, offended me. And I think God has a way of humbling us. Speaking in tongues for me offended me. And, and I know God really challenged me on that. And, and now I speak in tongues as much as I possibly can. So baptism in the Holy Spirit is a one-off gift, but you continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a total soak and a total drenching. So you might know God, know you're saved, know that you've got a future with him, so you might feel secure, but also full of fire, full of power, that you might be a witness, that you might be able to deal with sin in your life. It's not a... Terry Virgo gives this great quote. Terry Virgo is the, the guy who heads up New Frontiers. I'll have to call him that for the moment because... I don't know what, he's moving into new things now, but I don't know what, that, what you would call that. So, 
Uh, He said, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a reward for trying so well on our own. It is a gift to enable you to overcome right from the start. So you don't get given it because you're a great Christian. It's like, oh, well done. Gold star for you. You can have a little baptism in the Holy Spirit. You get given it so that you can overcome and be enabled right from the beginning of your journey. You shouldn't wait. You should just lap up whatever it is God wants to give you. So then living in the Spirit... We are born of water, the Bible says, and born of the Holy Spirit. And you can see that. If you look right at the beginning of the Bible, I just love the story of Adam and Eve. I love Genesis. Like, I just think it's an amazing story. I call it the EastEnders of the Bible. It's just like these crazy families, these crazy things going on, but God just persistently plugging away and saying, I'm, I'm going to deal with you, I'm going to save you, I'm going to bring you. Um, and I love, I love creation story. You can get so much from it. But I think if you see how Adam was made, it, he was made from the dust of the ground. So he was, he was natural. But he was breathed on by the Holy Spirit. So breath came into him and brought him alive. So the first man that walked the earth was natural, dust of the ground, breathed in by the Holy Spirit. So he was natural and spiritual. It's been that way ever since. We have a natural birth and a spiritual birth. Jesus was the same. So he was born of the Virgin Mary who was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Physical and natural, uh, natural and spiritual birth. That's what is in our DNA. We're designed to be naturally born and then spiritually born again. So we're designed to live full of the Holy Spirit. It's why sometimes Christians really struggle to live a life that God has intended for them without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You find people saying it's hard work. Reading the Bible's hard work. It's all hard work. Actually, what you need is a good dose of the Holy Spirit. It's what I always ask people if they're saying, I'm really struggling walking with God. Just say, well, when was the last time you were filled with the Holy Spirit? The idea is that there's an ease about those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, that it's not a striving and a, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to, it's, it's I want to do this, I want to do that, give me the tools to do this. Um, so we want to be people who learn the presence of God. And it means that in this room, we become pros at being filled with the Holy Spirit, so we're quick. We get in quick in worship because worship draws the Holy Spirit like nothing else. When you honour Jesus, the Holy Spirit just loves to be there. Like it's, it's like this, it's like this brilliant dance that just goes on where you're just like, oh, it's just lovely. When you lift Jesus up, the Holy Spirit is right on it. In fact, even if you don't lift Jesus up, the Holy Spirit's there, willing you to lift Jesus up. That's all He wants. He wants you to worship Him and love Him. So there's this this great dynamic. So we want to be those who can get into the Holy Spirit, worshipping Jesus quick. It doesn't take us five, six, seven songs and then at the end we're like, oh man, I was just getting there. And we've all stopped that we're those who get in quick. To be those who get in quick, we have to practice living in the presence of the Holy Spirit at home. It's not enough on a Sunday morning just to be Christians who live for the little two-hour window and then throughout the week it drains off, drains off, drains off. By Saturday you're committing all the sins known to man and you're willing church to be there so you can get in and repent and sort yourself out. Get back on a high and go again. We just don't want to live like that. We want to practice the presence of God daily. So in your bedrooms, learn what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. And and I have learned this over the years, to be full of the Holy Spirit in my house. 
at home just saying to the Holy Spirit, meet with me, without someone praying for me or without there being any need for a big band or those things are all useful. But actually, I want to be able to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day, which means I can't invite Matt and Phil round every day and say, would you just play for me so that I can like work it up? I can't, uh, Stuart would love this, but I can't invite Stuart to preach at me every day. He would love it, but I can't. I haven't got time for that. What I need is to be able to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that I can get on and be a mum, be a friend, be a wife, be a witness, be whatever it is God has made me to be full of the Holy Spirit. And in, in New Testament, I think in the whole of the Bible and in Christian experience, you get what you want in the kingdom. So you know your kids, you, you say to your kids, um, you know, don't ask for things. Don't, you, my mum was always saying to me, those who ask, don't get. And so we'd be in a shop and she'd be, those who ask, don't get. Like straight away, we'd only just walk in, you know, my brother's, those who ask, don't get. It was like, and we'd walk around like, like, and then she'd be at the end, here you are, here you are. It's not like that in the kingdom of God. Those who ask, get. So if you want the Holy Spirit, if you want to live a life that's different, you have to buck the trend of your mum saying, those who ask don't get. You have to actually buck the trend and say, in this kingdom, if I ask, if I want it, if I believe in it, I get it. So I get to see angels, I get to see heavenly encounters, I get to be full of the Holy Spirit, I get to speak in tongues, I get to do all this stuff because I'm asking for it and I'm desiring it. There's something in God that loves us to desire things. If you're a dad in this room, Stuart was saying, he loves giving stuff to Levi when Levi says, Daddy, can I have this? He says it with such a cute little voice and a smile, and it delights his heart to go, yes, here you are. He'll spend his whole life, Levi will, saying to Stuart, please, can I have your Lego? Which is a big battle at the moment, because Stuart has explained to Levi that Lego is not to be played with by little boys. I, I thought that Lego was made for little boys, but whatever. Um, and so we have to get it down carefully and play with things. But it delights Stuart's heart to be able to say, yes, you can, and give it. That's what our Father in Heaven's like. It delights his heart. There's something in him that's activated when we're like, I want this. It delights him to say, yes, you can. I think we have to remember always that if we don't, In our lifetimes, if we're not full of the Holy Spirit and we're not bringing the kingdom of God in, who is? So if we're not doing it, who's doing it? And I'll tell you who's doing it. It's everything else that Satan enjoys and loves will have the loudest voice on the earth if people who are born again do not stand up and be counted. He will have the last word on... Well, he won't. But he will assume dominance on our, on our world if we do not assume dominance, if we do not get up and say, no, this is how God would have it. If we are not those full of the Holy Spirit bringing in the kingdom of God, who will? I think our world waits, really, for real, authentic, spiritual people to stand up and be counted. Real, authentic, spiritual people to speak out, to pray for the sick, to speak truth. I know with lots of my friends, I will, I'll speak to them and I'll say things to them that I know to be true. And many of them will say to me, I just don't know where you get that stuff from. It's brilliant. You just speak truth. 
And, and I have to say to them, I know it sounds weird, but I get it from God. Like, and it's bringing that kind of rule and reign full of the Holy Spirit into people's lives. It's saying, what you've read about yourself, what you hear about yourself is not true. What God says about you is true. You do not need to accept that life. And it's, it's being so full of the Holy Spirit that we just don't miss stuff in people's lives that we don't miss opportunities to pray for the sick, to speak truth, to see lives transformed. It's being not so preoccupied with our work, our families, our our whatever, our whatevers, that we miss out on the one thing God is trying to do in our workplace, in our families, in our homes. So gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to go through this. This is a great big list. What I really wanted to say to you is there is so much available to us And I don't want us to be a boring church that gets stuck in, oh, we just do this. There's so many gifts available, gifts of healing, leadership, wisdom, faith, prophecy, words of knowledge, gifts of service. I would love it if we were really multicoloured here. So we had people over there doing works amongst the poor, people over there doing um, stuff and words of knowledge, people over there leading, people over there doing kids' pictures. Just this whole like multicoloured mess of we basically have been gifted by God and we're just going to move in our gifting. Like that would be lovely. So I want you to just, as a little bit of homework, look through the gifts that the Bible talks about and pick some. So actually, God, would it be all right if I had a few of these? Prophecy is an obvious one. So all can prophesy, all can hear from God. It's not a special gift for special people. There's a measure that people can move in. So it says the Holy Spirit apportioned gifts to the church. So there's a measure, without a doubt. So there are people that will move powerfully in one gift and people that will move powerfully in another. There's a measure. My real plea is that we find gifts that we want to have a go at and use it to the full extent of our measure. So whatever our measure is, just maximise it. So I think it's, it's fair to say that you can look at God as putting in kind of boundaries and saying you can't do this, you can't do that. Or you could look at God as putting in boundaries and he's saying you can do all of this. You can have all of these gifts. You can move right up to the bar, but then that's it. And I, I know with prophecy for myself, I just want to find out whatever my measure is. I just want to keep going until I hit a wall and suddenly it's like, okay, that's my measure. And I'm not there yet, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I think if you're not growing in gifting, hopefully you've not hit your measure, I think you just want to give yourself a little push and say, okay, Holy Spirit, let's go a little bit further. I'm going to just focus in on prophecy just quickly. So who hears from God? Just put your hand up. Uh, I'll phrase it a little bit differently. Who reads their Bible? And who has anything from the Bible jump out at them when they're reading it? Absolutely anything. Lovely. You hear from God. Brilliant. So in this room, we have people who are already... So I know James reads his Bible, and I know that stuff jumps out and speaks to him. So already... How long have you been a Christian, James? About a month. So he's a real baby. He's a real baby in the faith. Ah, we'll all cuddle you later. He's a real baby in the faith, but already he knows that his God speaks to him through the word of God. It's it's very simple. Prophecy is really simple. It's not a special gift for special people. It's a gift for Christians. So if you read your Bible and God speaks to you, that's brilliant. What you want to do is just 
take that to the next level. Start asking God for different ways that he can speak to you. So who here dreams ever? So who here has dreams that they can remember? They don't have to be spiritual, they can be wacky. Or spiritual ones are often. Good. That is another way that God speaks to you. Who, when people are describing things, like a dinner or something, can imagine it in their head? So if I was to say to you, I went out for a meal and I start describing it, who can imagine it in their head? Who can imagine smells? So if I told you I went to the fair and, and there was a candy floss machine and it was whipping round and round and round and great big bits, who can smell that? Okay. See, there are so many different ways that God can speak to you. Who can see things slightly outside of themselves? So you're standing here and you can see things like you can imagine a scene or a picture or a painting out there. So not in your head, but out there. Lovely. Good, good, good. These are all different ways that in the natural you can do lots of these things. Kids have great imaginations in the natural. In the supernatural, God can just jump in on the back of dreams, visions, open visions, trances, just so much stuff. Prophecy is not just a case of I get up the front and I say, uh, I just wanted to say that God loves you today. That is prophecy, but that is never where we should stay. That, is ne- that should never be our limit. And Matt sang, where's Matt? Matt sang a prophetic song a, a while back, um, a few weeks ago. Um, and while he was singing it, he started mentioning chains that needed to drop off of people. And he got specific in his song. So he, he prophesied in his song, but he also moved in a word of knowledge in his prophetic singing. So if you prophetically sing, so George, Lauren, who else prophetically sings? Well, if you do, there's another measure that you can take your gift to. So you can say to God, okay, I heard someone else use words of knowledge in singing. I'd like that. Ben, um, he's not in the room, but Ben will often come forward and say, I think there are people in this room who feel like this. And he'll say, I'm going to stand over there and you can come and speak to me afterwards. The way to grow that gift would be to say to God, show me the row that the people are in. Show me the gender of the person. Show me that person. So I now, basically because I get a little bit bored of coming up and saying there's someone here, because no one responds. Because you, you sit there going, is it me? Is it, well, it could be. And you go home and you think, oh, I don't know if it was me. It sort of sounded exactly like me, but I'm not sure. And so then you stand there on your own for ages. I said to Ben sometimes, I feel your pain. I've done it for years. Stood there on my own going, I'll wait here and pray for you. And then I've stood there and gone, oh, well. You grow anyway because you've stepped out for Jesus. Now I just say, oh, it's you. Um, because it's just so much easier. So I, over the years I've said to God, just show me who it is. And then I can just go, uh, Sarah, um, God wants to speak to you. And then I can just, I don't even have to worry about, could you come over here and we'll have a little chat. I'm just saying. And you want to keep growing, gifting, and saying to the Holy Spirit, I'll have more, I'll have more, I'll have more. Uh, there's something about God that just loves it. Um, And the the prophetic is such a broad gift, and if we're not careful, it becomes quite a boring gift in church. Whereas it ought to be like, you ought to have songs, sensations, smelling. In my early days of being a Christian, I would often smell things. 
that God would start speaking to me about. So we'd be in worship and I would smell candy floss or I would smell a dinner or I would smell, I'd smell something and I'd go, what's that? And blatantly there was no one cooking a roast dinner or a candy floss machine in church. That would be fun. But that wasn't going on. I'd just get smells and then I started to realise maybe God's trying to speak to me and then I started acting on it. So for a really big season, God was speaking to me loads about food. I don't think it was just I was hungry at church, but I just kept getting like sensations of, like I could smell things being cooked and, and things going on, and eventually I was like, oh, I think God's trying to speak to me. So there are so many different ways to move in the Holy Spirit, and I want to encourage us to think much broader than we're thinking at the moment. But you need to be full of the Holy Spirit for these gifts to flow. I've seen people try and move in them without being full of the Holy Spirit, and quite frankly, it's ugly. It gets to be controlling, it gets to be manipulative, like you can see it. It, it's just, it makes you feel a little bit... Wah. When the Holy Spirit's moving on people, it shouldn't ever make you feel like that. It should make you feel free, um, released. Okay, lastly, I want to stir you. These are the things that I think you need to look at to go deeper with the Holy Spirit. So book once a week time with the Holy Spirit. I kind of want to call it a date night, but I don't mean that you're dating God. I mean a chunk of special time that you say, Holy Spirit, you can have this. Now immediately, if you're a mum in the room and you're busy, and bu- you're thinking, oh yeah, dream on Mel. <laughs> Funny. I don't even get a moment's peace to myself. There are times for everything. If I told you I'd give you £100 for 10 minutes of your time every week, you'd be able to do it. So there are times, I'll tell you what I do, I take a bath and I do it wherever it fits. So late at night, and it costs me. So sometimes I am so dog tired that I just think, all I want to do is go to sleep. But I know that if I spend an hour with the Holy Spirit, I'm a different mum, I'm a different wife, I'm a different person. And I'm the person I want to be. So I use bath times and I run the deepest, biggest, bubbliest bath. I take a load of books in with me. I used to, prior to being pregnant and breastfeeding, take a big glass of wine. And I would lock the door because that's the only way to do it. No phones in there, no, no gadgets of any description. Book, pen bubbles, glass of wine, and I would stay in there for an hour. And I would literally just read, talk to the Holy Spirit, just, and I, I do that once a week. It's my time. If I don't get it, I, I am not the nicest person. So I say to Stuart, it's within your interest to help me make that happen. <laughs> uh, I am much nicer when I come out of that door. And I'll be fizzing when I come out because I've given the Holy Spirit a chunk of time you might get yourself outdoors. You might just find a chunk of time that you can say to the Holy Spirit, this is yours, and you and me are just going to do some business. That has transformed my walk with God. Uh, secondly, practice being filled with the Holy Spirit in your bedroom. Learn and master getting into the Holy Spirit quickly. It helps in worship. When you're leading worship, to have a bunch of people that require at least three songs before they even look like they know Jesus, that's hard work. We can help out the worship leaders. We can help each other out by being those who can get in quicker, who can just go, we're all in. And then we can get whatever it is God's got for us. So if he's got this big pile of stuff, and five minutes before the end we're in, I mean, unless he goes... (laughs) we're only going to get a small measure of what he's got for us. If we're those who can get in, we, we can get it all. We can say, come on, let's have it all. It impacts lost people as well, worship. Freaks, freaks them out and impacts. 
So there's something very powerful about being those that can meet with the Holy Spirit, so practice it. Take your gift one step further. So look at the gifts that you've got and say to yourself, what can I do to take it one step further? If you need some help with that, ask someone who's taken their gift one step further. So I'd never heard George sing a prophetic song until we moved here. Would that be fair? And so George took a prophetic gift. She's now taken it to the next step. So if you can sing in tune or you love to sing and you prophesy, maybe next step is to sing. George took it to the next step. Ask her how. Matt, I saw him the other week sing a prophetic song and in it bring words of knowledge. Ask him about it. I've heard Joe bring words of knowledge. Really specific. So if you think to yourself, I'd love to move in that, ask him. So how did you get that? What do you do? How does it work? Lauren, I've seen you move in prophetic gifting that I think you've not moved in before. So coming here has been a place where you've gone, all right, I want that. Ask her how. This is how we grow. We say to someone else who's a bit bigger than us, what have you got? And then hang around with people who love the Holy Spirit. And... Tag along with anything you can. So join them in their chunk of time. Be, be cheeky. You can't join me because I'm in the bath. <laughs> and that's mine. Um, but if I did it outside, that would be fine. So if we went for a walk. Say to someone who's got a relationship with the Holy Spirit that you look at and think, that is something I'd like. Say to them, can I tag along? Can I tag along on your chunk of time out? Can I tag along on any of your devotional time? Can I see how you minister in the Holy Spirit? So over the years, I've had people tag along with me on stuff. They've said, can I join you in your time out? Can I join you when you minister in the Spirit? Can I? And I've gone, yeah, all right. We'll go for a walk. We'll read the Bible together. We'll pray together. We'll see the Holy Spirit move together. Tag along with someone else who's got it. I've recommended a few books um, that would be good to read. Um, some of them you have to read with a measure of discernment as well. So some of the guys that have moved in the Holy Spirit, God's generals will tell you about that, have gone a bit wacky as well. So it does have the ability sometimes for people to go a bit off beam if they don't marry it up with the Word of God. So you want to keep those two things working together well. So some of the books you have to kind of read with that in your head. Remember what the Bible says, remember what the Bible says. But be stirred. Let's stand. That would you... I don't know where the kids have gone. They've like literally... Oh, are they? Yeah. They can come and join us. This will, this part of the meeting will all be a bit like all over the place and we'll stop things and start things. I'm going to offer right at the beginning anybody who wants to be baptised so thoroughly soaked in the Holy Spirit to receive that and anybody who wants the gift of tongues. So there's going to be offered... Um, You have to want this stuff though. So I was prayed for many times to receive the gift of tongues. I didn't want it. So I didn't even open my mouth. So the poor people who prayed for me, I feel so sorry for them. I had no desire whatsoever. I don't even know sometimes why I got prayed for. But you just feel a bit obliged. You think, oh yeah, everyone knows I don't speak in tongues. I better get prayed for. Don't do that. If you want something, come before God and say yes please. And then whoever prays for you can help you receive that. (coughs) Thank <coughs>